And so one of the first exercises I have my clients do in order to cultivate awareness around what are those emotions? What are those thoughts and feelings that I have about money? Is to pay attention to what you are thinking and saying about money, especially the negative things. What's going on, guys? This is the Passive Wealth Strategy Show. Thank you for tuning in. Today, our guest is Christine Lucan. And today we're talking about the emotions around money and how you can use your emotions to your advantage for your money, your investing, and your passive wealth generation. We talk about an experience that Christine had in her mid-20s that kind of led her to where she is today uh, with finances and coaching others around their finances. I think this is a very important conversation uh, to have, particularly if you're you know, maybe having a conversation with us, difficulty with conversations with your spouse around money. There's some important information in here that I think we can all really learn from, even if you're not having issues with that, maybe some lessons around how you can take it to that next level with your uh, conversations with your spouse and around your, your money, your wealth, your passive generation, your passive wealth generation, and um, so much more. Very important, you know, um, I think maintaining our personal relationships, uh, particularly with our spouses, is so important. And money is tends to be a, a big, uh, say, topic of contention, if you will, in uh, in marriages that are having trouble. So we get into more of that more of that today, and uh, you're going to learn plenty. If you're an Apple Podcast user and you do enjoy the show, please take a quick second, leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars, if you don't mind, that's so much appreciated. That helps other people learn about the show. That helps us rank higher in the Apple Podcast ecosystem. It helps us see that you're engaging with and learning from the content. And it helps me feel good because I get to see what you guys have to say. And I appreciate it so much. If you haven't yet, go to your favorite podcast app, look up the Passive Wealth Strategy Show, hit that subscribe button. That way you'll get every new episode straight to your mobile device. I'm your host, Taylor Lote. I'm a real estate investor. I'm a real estate syndicator. I buy real estate with passive investors and split the return. This show is all about helping you escape the Wall Street casino, build more certainty, more confidence, more trajectory toward your results with your investments by investing in Main Street, investing in cash flowing real estate, preferably passively or however the way works for you. It's all about escaping that Wall Street casino and investing in Main Street. Once again, our guest today is Christine Lucan. And we're talking about the emotions around money and how we can take it to the next level. Without any further ado, here we go. Christine, thank you for joining us today. Hey, thanks so much for having me. It's been great chatting with you so far. And I think your message will really resonate with and help a lot of the audience today. For our listeners out there who don't know about you and your business, can you tell us about what you do? And I want to really get into that story about you in your mid-20s, but you know, we'll get yeah. there. Yeah. So my name's Christine Lucan. I'm known as the financial lifeguard. I am a money coach and a certified divorce specialist. I'm not a financial planner, so I always just like to throw that out and just explain a little bit what the difference is. I am helping people with the daily money management. So this is managing spending, getting the debt into a reasonable range, 
helping people with their various savings goals to make sure they have those, you know, that cushion, um, and also dealing with the emotional side of money, whether it is, you know, the dynamic within a couple, or it could be someone who is going through a very emotional time, like going through divorce or going through widowhood or something like that, where, you know, when emotions are high, it can affect our decision-making and we can end up making some very bad decisions with our finances. So, you know, one of the things I say is, you know, run away from the financial person who tells you to leave emotion out of your financial decision-making because they're really asking you to do something that is impossible. You know, science has proven that the moment of decision happens in our brain, in the part of our brain that processes emotion. So it's not a matter of leaving emotion out of things. It's really understanding how does how do our emotions affect our financial decision-making? And rather than fighting against that force, how can we harness that to actually do better with our personal finances? And you mentioned my story, uh, how I crashed and burned financially in my 20s. You know, I learned firsthand that money is emotional and that very smart people can do dumb things with money. Totally. Um, You know, I was in, you know, I was always like an honor roll student. I graduated with an accounting degree. I was working for my family's multi-million dollar business. And yet at age 26, I found myself basically at financial rock bottom. I owed three different payday lenders money. I was behind on my car payment. I had collectors calling me. And a good part of the reason why I got into that situation was I was engaged to a guy who had horrible money habits. So he was in and out of jobs, in and out of jail. I thought if I just loved him enough that he would change. And uh, he did. He got worse. So by the time I was ready to leave that relationship, I literally had no money to leave. And I had to, you know, turn to my family. I had to move back in with my parents for several months and get back on my feet, which, you know, for most young adults, that that feels like the worst thing in the world that can happen, you know, having to admit that I can't make it on my own, that I completely screwed up. And there was a lot of shame and embarrassment around that, especially because I was someone who should have known better, right? I mean, I had the accounting degree. Here I was managing a multi-million dollar budget for the family business, but I was bouncing my own checks at home. So, you know, that just proves the point that sometimes, you know, we can actually be doing pretty good in our businesses and making a lot of money. And yet our personal finances can sometimes be a complete disaster. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm uh, not to rewind too much, but you said about uh, not listening to folks who say leave emotions at the door. I think that's a great point because it's almost like saying don't breathe while you make this decision. And and science shows us that, that we really make our decisions in, you know, an unconscious emotional part of our brain. And then we kind of right. backfill the logic to get us there. And, and that's right. just how our brains work. We can't, we can't really help that even if we're aware of it. And, and it's another great point about folks who are successful in business don't always take care of their personal finances as well as they should. And it's, it doesn't need to be a, uh, you know, I'm smart, so I should be good at this type of thing. We right. all can, we can all make these mistakes and then hopefully correct them. Right. Yeah. And one of the things that I always ask people, especially if they are business owners is, you know, is money your best employee 
or your worst nightmare. And sometimes if we think about our money in this way, almost like it's a person and how are we interacting with our money? And this applies both to your personal finances and your business finances. Those of us who run a business, we probably started out working for someone else. You know, you and I were just chatting about, you know, what were our our previous uh, day jobs before we embraced entrepreneurship. And, um, you know, if you think about what makes a good boss, right, it's, it's someone who gives you direction, who gives you encouragement, who pays attention to you, who gives you the resources you need to do your job. And, you know, if, if you think about the last boss you reported to, if you went into that person's office after lunch, you know, my previous boss, his name was Scott. If I went into Scott's office after lunch and I said, hey, Scott, I am completely caught up with my work. What do you want me to do? It would be totally bizarre if he were to hide under his desk and ignore <laughs> me. Right. And be like, if I just ignore her, like she'll go away. Right. And so at some point it would be awkward and I would walk away and probably waste the rest of the afternoon on, uh, you know, scrolling Facebook or whatever. But, you know, when we think of it in that way, it's like, well, yeah, that would be weird if my boss ignored me and didn't give me direction. But how many of us are ignoring our finances and only interacting with our personal finances when we absolutely have to, right? You know, we talk about passive wealth. This is what this is all about. But if it is coming in the front door, if it's going out the back door as fast as it's coming in the front door, right, then why are we doing all this work? You know, it's if we manage our money wisely, then it can be our best employee. But if we ignore it, if we neglect it, then I always say money's going to go find somebody else to tell it what to do, right? I mean, because if you had a boss like that that ignored you and didn't give you any direction, you know, at some point you would go find another job. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You wouldn't feel, uh, you know, needed in the organization or, or or anything like that. Now, I'd like to learn more about how we can really continue with that analogy because I think money can make a good uh a good employee or good uh, tool for you or however we want to keep extending the yeah. analogy. But my concern there, if I can share a concern yeah. is I hope, uh, and I, I'm, I'm confident that you're, you won't go there. I hope that this analogy doesn't lead to, well, you better stop having Starbucks on Saturday, even though you really like it, that three, that extra three bucks you're going to save by making your coffee at home on Saturday morning, that's going to take you to the financial, you know, Valhalla. So Teach us about it, but I'm I'm hoping you're you're we're having a more abundant mindset than cutting out the latte. Well, here's the thing: you're never going to coupon your way to wealth. Oh, love it. You're never totally going right. to do that. And I love my coffee. And if you try to take away my fancy coffee, I I will smack you so hard. <laughs> right? That, that's what that's very very important to me. You know, I don't really even talk about cutting spending. I talk about redirecting spending. You know let's direct spending towards the things that are really important to us. And I am a very firm believer that we can enjoy our money while we are on the journey of achieving our long-term goals. That's the reason why extreme programs, extreme budgets, they don't work. They don't work in the long-term because people can only stick with them for so long before they fall off, right? That's why people are always going on and off diets. If you say, Hey, I'm I'm going to adopt a healthy, 
eating lifestyle, which means I get to have a candy bar once a week if I want to. You know, I can have a glass of wine, but 80 to 90% of the time I'm eating very healthy, but I I still get to have my treat. If it's my kid's birthday, I'm going to eat some birthday cake, right? But I'm planning for it. It's the same thing with our finances, but it really is about being intentional. And most people are not being intentional with their spending. Now, this does not mean that we have to spend two hours a week looking at spreadsheets with six or eight tabs. That's not what it's about. Um, I'm a huge advocate of technology. You know, there are awesome websites like, you know, Personal Capital and Mint where, you know, you can use those for free. It will aggregate all of your financial information in one place. You can see your spending in real time and you can make decisions based off that spending. You know, and even when I'm working with my clients, sometimes they'll see one of their categories is over, right? Like it's in the red and they start to get a little panicked about it. And I said, you know what? Let's not focus so much on like those individual categories, but let's let's look at the top line. And the top line says you made at least as much as you said you were going to make. You spent less than you said you were going to make and you saved at least as much as you said you were going to. I don't care that eating out is over. I don't. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> like we don't need to sweat that. Yeah, but if you're spending $2000 more a month than you're making every month, yes, then we might have a problem. That right? Math so check out. Exactly. And you know, I tell my clients spend time weekly checking in with your money. It only needs to be about 15 to 20 minutes. You can open up one of those apps, just check and see how you're doing, pay any bills that need to be paid. It does not need to be a huge ordeal. It's like if you're a manager and you go and you do those weekly check-ins with your employees, if you're doing it every week, it should only take you 10 to 20 minutes and you know everything's humming along, you make a few adjustments. I think people build it up to be more work than it actually is. That's a great point. You mentioned uh, some of the personal finance apps. I've been using one of those since I started making money, right? And I, I yeah. can go back and look at where every penny of my money has gone for more than the last decade because by awesome. maintaining those records. And you know, a lot of those tools are free. There are some ones that are out there that are paid. They're actually pretty cheap. Yeah. So it's it's worth investing the time and effort to put those together. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it really it's whatever tool works best for you. I have people say like, which is the best one? It's like, well, I can tell you which one I use, but that really doesn't matter. You know, some people already have that functionality built into their online banking and they don't even need a separate tool. Yeah, no, it's a, it's all about uh, what works for you and, and, and getting the job done. Do you want direct access to passive commercial real estate investments, including apartments, self-storage, medical facilities, hotels, and even more? CrowdStreet has you covered. They provide access to a wide variety of commercial real estate syndications for accredited investors. Over 520 deals have been closed through the platform, and investors have placed over $2.1 billion, that's billion with a B, in those deals. Go to PassiveWealthStrategy.com slash CrowdStreet to get started, or click the link in the show notes. See the CrowdStreet platform for full terms and conditions of what they offer. Once again, that's PassiveWealthStrategy.com slash CrowdStreet to get started. So I want to dig more into this idea of uh, your idea around emotions and our money, because I think that is 
that is so astute, right? And, and I can personally think to the point, uh, I think back to you know, all the emotional attachments that that I got to money growing up just through, you know, my background and which is, you know, my background, everybody's got their own background. And you, the listener out there probably has their own emotional ideas and attachments and thoughts about money. So let's dive into that and learn more about the emotions around money and how we can use those to our advantage. Yes. And I wish we had like three hours to talk about this because <laughs> sure. I could talk about this for a You've long time. You've written books on this. So yes, this we're asking for absolutely. the So one of the things I think, you know, you had talked about your unconscious mind and how there's a lot of stuff going on down there in your unconscious mind. And, and that's an excellent point. Most of us are on autopilot when it comes to how we're interacting with our money. And so one of the first exercises I have my clients do in order to cultivate awareness around what are those emotions, what are those thoughts and feelings that I have about money, is to pay attention to what you are thinking and saying about money, especially the negative things. And I'll have my clients start like a note in their phone or, you know, have have a little notebook or a piece of paper where every time they catch themselves saying something negative or thinking something negative about their business or something relative to earning money or spending money, et cetera. You know, if you catch yourself saying to your kids, hey, money doesn't grow on trees, it's like, oh, where did that come from? Right. Because once we capture those negative thoughts, then we can look at them and say, first of all, is that really true? And second of all, where did that come from? Because there usually is a source for where that story came from. And a lot of it was passed down from our parents. And I find that most people go one of two directions. They either adopt exactly what their parents did and said, or they rebel and do the opposite, <laughs> right? So, you know, if yeah. your parents, you know, maybe your dad was like this super penny pincher and never let you spend any money. You know, once you start making your own money, you might think like, I hated that. And so I'm going to spend my money because now I don't have to listen to him, right? And then you can take a very extreme opposite approach, which neither of those two things are healthy being at either extreme. Yeah, so I, I think that's, I, I wrote, I'm trying to reflect on that and think about, you know, my own experience. And I don't know how much, I don't know if I was completely diametrically opposed, but I don't come from really an investor type of background. You know, I, once I started making money, I realized, shoot, I want to, I want to do more with my money than I think my parents did. So maybe that, I, I think I, maybe I had a healthy rebellion, but I know yeah. not everybody, uh, not everybody does has a, have a healthy, um, <laughs> rebellion with their money. So how can we you know start to manage our emotions around around money and really use them to our advantage because that's what it's all about we once we identify the problem right. how do we you know fix it and take it to the next level yeah so i think the first thing that we want to do is once we've identified what those those negative stories and what those negative things that we might be saying is to rewrite them as positives right because you know we've all heard that you know, the things that you think and you say, you're attracting those things into your environment, right? So if we say things like, it's hard to make money, or, you know, you can't get rich quick. It's interesting because there's part of your brain called the reticular activating system. 
and it acts as your brain's bouncer. And so if you say things like it's hard to make money, you got to work really hard to make money. It basically filters things out that disagree with that. So there could literally be an opportunity for you to make passive income relatively easily. Your brain will not even allow you to see that opportunity. So it's only pulling things in that reinforce those deeply held beliefs because deep down inside your subconscious mind wants you to be in integrity with yourself. So it's very important that we catch those negative things that we're saying and really ask, ask ourselves, do I really want more of this? <laughs> right? Do I really want more of this or not? You know, um, and one of the things I started saying, cause I'm really huge on, uh, money mantras. And, um, one of the things I started saying probably in the fall of last year is, you know, I'm more than willing to accept all the money and gifts that people want to give me because I was raised with the mindset of you have to earn it. You have to deserve it. And I wanted to counter that to say, you know, I'm willing to accept any abundance, whether I've technically earned it or not. And uh, this year, I had something happen in my personal life that's going to add several hundred thousand dollars to my income this year. And awesome. it has nothing to do with my business. <laughs> and I literally have no work to do. I just have to receive it. That's it, you know? And so it's like, but if I had been stuck in that pattern of I have to deserve it, I have to earn it, would that have happened? I don't know. I don't maybe, know. Either. Maybe not. But it's very interesting that, that that happened in such a tight time frame of literally just like two months after I started saying that, that that happened. And I was like, oh, holy crap, this stuff that I teach really does work. <laughs> That's not bad. That's not bad. Not so at all. One of the things that I think is, is very relevant to our, our results in life are the folks that we spend our time around and uh, who we associate most, most with, you know, our, our top five uh, associations. And earlier on, you were, you mentioned that, uh, you're involved, uh, I forget the exact term, but you're involved with, uh, divorces, right. And, and you had a personal experience related to a, a personal relationship that put you in a bad financial yes. position. And this is a scary topic to bring out. I just got engaged like a couple of weeks ago, right? This is freaking me out a little bit, but <laughs> I'd like to touch on the importance of the people who are around us and how they affect our, our habits, results, behaviors, emotions around yeah. money and wealth. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting that you say that because I find that um, people who are successful in their businesses and who are successful financially, they are on the same page with their spouse when it comes to money. Now, that doesn't mean that they agree 100% or they do, you know, they do everything in sync together, but they have regular conversations about money. You know, couples who come to me for financial coaching to help them, you know, get on the same page. I mean, it's just incredible to see that transformation that happens with people when they start having these regular conversations about money, because it's not really about the money. It's what does the money represent? And it represents your values in the freedom and options that the money provides, right? So, you know, if the whole room behind you was full of money, 
you don't want the money so you can swim in it like you know <laughs> like, Scrooge McDuck, right? right? <laughs> it's like, well, I want the money because it's gonna, you know, buy me this house so I can start a family. You know, it's going to buy me this travel to go here. It's going to buy me the freedom to do XYZ. It's all of those things and those experiences that you want. It's not necessarily the money itself, but having those regular conversations about money is the key. And you have probably heard that, you know, 50% of first marriages end in divorce. And you Mm -hmm. probably haven't heard that like 67% of second marriages end in divorce, 78% of third marriages end in divorce. Just keep getting worse. Right. And money is a huge component in the conflict in marriage, because basically you're not fighting about the money, you're fighting about your values, right? You know, what do I value versus what do you value? And it's so interesting to me that when I start working with couples and when we start that process, one of the most important things is to define what success looks like for you. And asking each of the individuals, sometimes it's like I can see them looking at each other like, well, I didn't know you wanted that or I didn't know you wanted to go there. And and so then they start having these really awesome conversations about what does what's the ultimate goal of our life together? You know, what is what's our family's mission? What do we want in life? And helping to define that because once you have that vision of what success looks like then the two of you are pulling together in the same direction, right? You know, rather than arguing with each other of, I want to spend money here, I want to spend money there. When you have these shared goals, it, it brings you together. Well, I really like that. And I think the 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 regular conversations is very, that's a great point because you're not trying to get the build rub in one day. You're not trying to have this full conversation in one sit down, you know, Absolutely. one hour, we're going to knock it all out. We're going to talk about <laughs> this over time. And also the content of the conversation was stepping away from, you know, our, our budget and how we're going to allocate this and talking about goals. That's a much more uh, empowering mindset to think about what do we want to achieve in life? And, you know, we'll set the, 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 the dollars and cents aside for a minute and talk yeah. about the actual goals. I think that puts you in a much better mindset to have a more productive, you know, conversation around these topics. Absolutely. And, you know, many times in a relationship, there is one person who is more numbers driven and, you know, they enjoy digging into the numbers, right? That's me. (laughs) I'm pointing at myself for the listeners. Right. And so, um, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean when I say spend regular time together talking about your money, just because you set a regular time every week to, to, you know, dive into your spending, you may be doing 80% of that. And then once you've gone in and you've categorized all your spending and you kind of know what's going on, then you go to your wife and you say, Hey, just want to let you know, we've got XYZ going on over the next week or two. This means we're going to have to transfer some money from savings or, you know, is there anything coming up that I need to make adjustments for? And that's the way it works with me and my relationship with my husband, like I do 80% of the detail work, but every week we're having regular conversations about what's going on with our money. Nice. That's awesome. I think that's so important and just keeping it up and, and maintaining that. And, and it is, um, I, I suppose a, a troubling statistic or a reality that, that so many 
do end in divorce and and money is one of the main, one of the major driving factors of that and it's just uh you know it's good to good to know that going in yes right. well and and the trouble is if you leave your spouse out of it and you you take on all the responsibility two things happen sometimes you can get resentful that the entire burden of the money is on you and second of all if something happens to you you know if you if you pass away unexpectedly, you know, if you end up getting divorced, you're doing that other person a huge disservice because they're they're completely clueless. I mean, that's the clients who are coming to me. Many of them are divorcing a financial professional. They're divorcing a CPA. They're divorcing a financial planner or a banker. And their spouse handled all the money. And they're like, I'm going to get this money. I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> like, I've been told that this is too hard for me and just let me handle this. And I literally have no clue what I'm doing. And they have to. And I'm 45, right? Oh man, play some catch. <laughs> it up. happens all the time. Yeah. Right now, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. Have you ever wanted to invest in the private lending and debt side of real estate? You might find that going out and finding borrowers on your own is tough. When you find a borrower, you have the task of evaluating their plan all on your own, and the traditional way of lending private money highly concentrates your risk because you'll probably be funding the whole rehab loan on your own. That meant writing loan checks well into the hundreds of thousands of dollars, placing a lot of risk in individual borrowers and properties. Not to mention, there's a lot for you to know in terms of how to structure these loans so that you can help protect yourself and work with the borrower in your interests. Now, there's a new way to invest in the debt side of real estate that turns the private money lending space on its head. You can invest in a variety of debt instruments with this new platform with as little as $10 in each opportunity. You can diversify your investment across a wide variety of borrowers, geographies, and asset types. This new platform is called GroundFloor. They make it easy to invest in either your name or using your self-directed IRA. And if you don't already have a self-directed IRA, don't worry. They make it easy to get started and get one opened. Go to www.passivewealthstrategy.com slash ground floor to get started or click the link in the show notes. See the ground floor site for full terms and details of what they offer. Once again, that's www.passivewealthstrategy.com slash ground floor or click the link in the show notes. Back to the show. All right, Christine, I've got three questions. I ask every guest on the show, are you ready? Yes. Great. First one, what is the best investment you ever made other than in your education? <laughs> you know, I would say the best investment that that I have ever made was in a business coach because, you know, when I first started my business, I was very scattered and I didn't even see my own gifting and my own potential. And I think um, if I had gone much longer without a business coach, that I probably wouldn't be here talking mm. to you. And it was a scary investment. You know, I had been in business maybe for just like a year and a half. And, you know, it was it was like five grand and it felt super scary <laughs> at the time, right? Because it's like, well, I don't even have all that in my, in my account. And, uh, you know, even though you could make payments, et cetera, it was, it was still a, a scary thing for me to invest that money in myself, but it was exactly what I needed. Um, and I've, I've hired several business coaches to work on various aspects since then, but, uh, 
obviously, because I am a financial coach, I, I am a big advocate of, you know, investing in in yourself and your business development, especially. Yeah, you know, it's so interesting to me that, you know, the the kind of the 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 thoughts that are out there are we stop and we should stop investing in our education. Really, if you go get a bachelor's, that's great. Get a master's PhD, awesome. Stop there. You should never invest anymore in your own education after that or in your own, you know, business or in yourself after that. Mm-hmm. And so many successful business people and investors that I know personally will, you know, candidly say that a, a coach or someone like that was the best investment that they made for themselves. So the proof I think is really uh in the pudding. So, you know, that's yeah. great. Especially someone who's ahead of you, you know, who has yeah, totally. the kind of business mm-hmm. that you want to have. Absolutely. Yeah. Speaking from experience and and teaching you, you know, showing you the roadmap. Yep. We had the best investment. Now we go to the other side of that coin, the worst investment. What is the worst <laughs> investment you ever made? Yeah. So this was actually like a family investment. So we got this hot stock tip for uh, <laughs> this penny stock. And actually, it's it was called FlexPoint, which I don't think the company is even around Never anymore. And uh, it was like my dad invested in it, my brother and I invested in it. And like, we watched that thing go up and down like a freaking roller coaster. <laughs> and so it was so funny because, you know, it, it eventually went down to like, literally like two cents. Oh boy. And by the time I sold it, it was like $36 or something left in my, in my E-Trade account, something ridiculous like that. Um, and for the longest time, we would always say like, don't say the F word around dad. <laughs> and we meant flex point because he invested more than any of us and he really took the hit. So <laughs> Well, there are a lot of uh, probably a lot of lessons in there. You know, penny stocks are kind of gambling anyway, and and a lot of individual stock investments that you have you have absolutely no control. You have, might have very little visibility on what's happening, and you know, a lot, one of the things that lessons that comes up frequently is investing in what you know. And most of the time, I wouldn't know anything about FlexPoint or how to pick a penny stock or any of that. So. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> My favorite question here at the end of the show is what is the most important lesson you've learned in business and investing? Yes. So I, I will lean toward investing just because I could probably have like a million things in business. Sure. I think it is leaving it to the experts. You know, um, I have a wonderful financial planner who loves digging into the details of stocks and digging into the details of EFTs and mutual funds and all of that great stuff. And, you know, when you've got somebody that you have a good relationship with and you trust them to do their job and you don't second guess them, then you can have some amazing returns. In fact, you know, you and I were talking earlier about the market and you said, well, you know, you can't really beat the market. You're going to get seven or 8%. Well, for the past five years with my financial planner, after his fee, we've gotten close to 15%. Dang, that's so, <laughs> but, you know, he, he loves finding, you know, companies and funds that are undervalued and, you know, getting in when they're undervalued and then selling them when they, when they start to top out. And, you know, I trust him. And, uh, you know, I think finding that good working relationship with someone like that for me has been invaluable. But on the flip side, you don't just want to take their word for it. You do want to dig into the numbers and kind of look at things because 
I had an experience where I had to fire a financial planner who was actually a friend that I was, you know, on committees with at the Chamber of Commerce. And, uh, you know, I was kind of watching the market and people were talking about how how good their portfolios were doing. And I was looking at mine and it was like flat. And I'm like, what is going on here? You know, and then I started digging into things and I saw like all these fees and and it was just like, oh my God, what is going on here? So you kind of have to have that balance of checking in with that person on a regular basis you know, kind of digging into those numbers, understanding how that person gets paid is very important, but also trusting them to do their job. Absolutely. Well, Christine, thank you for joining us today. I think talking about the emotions around money in particular is so important. And it's something that I think uh, we we oftentimes lose, particularly in the uh, say greater financial media. If folks want to reach out, if they want to find you on the internet, track you down, any of that good stuff, where can they find you? Yes. Well, they can find me at christinelukin.com. And if that's too hard to remember, if they just type in moneyisemotional.com, that will actually take them to the book page on my website because Money is Emotional is the name of my first book. And they can actually download a sample of that there as well. All right. Great. Thank you once again for joining us today. To everybody out there, thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please take a quick second, leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. That's very much appreciated. That helps other people learn about the show and it helps me feel good because I get to see that you guys are engaging with the content and learning along with us. If you know anyone who could use a little bit more passive wealth in their lives, please share the show with them and bring them into the tribe. I hope you have a great rest of your day and we'll talk to you on the next one. Bye-bye.